0: Today, we'll be reading from Matthew 17, verses 14 through 20. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He's, he has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the body here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy, and he was healed from that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, Because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth, if you can have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. This is the word of the Lord. Morning. As Chris said, I am the tech production engineer and coordinator. It's my title here. Um, Basically, in layman's terms, that means I do all the sound, uh, video, lyrics, um, training up volunteers, training up uh, staff, and um, helping with weddings, funerals, all all that kind of stuff. But um, as he also said, the primary reason I'm up here today um, is because I am a part of a band called Phineas. Um, We are a Christian metal band, that was formed in 2001 at Biola University. Before I get into that, let me tell you a little bit more about myself. I grew up, I was born and raised in uh, Arroyo Grande, California, which is up by San Luis Obispo, and my mom and, dad, my mom and dad both became Christians right before I was born, so I was raised in a Christian home, I uh, grew up at a Christian school, went to Christian school from pre-K to my senior year of high school, and uh, I was raised in the Christian church, and I was very involved in the church. I was, I was a very bright young boy, a very good student, um, very quick learner, really good at reading and memorizing scripture. But instead of it being written on my heart, it, it became intellectual. It became head knowledge rather than heart, heart knowledge. So, I, I mean, I understood the Bible. I believed in Jesus. I believed in his sacrifice for me. I believed that he died and rose again. I believed that. I knew it. I knew it, but... My passion for learning was primarily out of my desire to be the best. I had a very competitive spirit, I, and that's one of the things I, I thought, you know, in you know, sports I wanted to be the best, in school I wanted to be the best, and at church I wanted to be the best. It was something that, you know, I wanted to be the smartest kid, to win the most awards, and that's because I'm, I am extremely competitive, but I made believing in Jesus even a competition. Um, and while I don't believe competition in itself is a sin, for me, it became a bad thing because I wanted so badly to be the best that it became an idol for me. It became, it became my God, essentially. Um, and the thing is, is I, wanting to do really well in school, wanting to memorize the most scriptures, to my, my peers and to my parents and to my teachers, that seemed, man, this kid is, you know, he's, on, he's, he's a good Christian boy. He is somebody that wants to serve the Lord. You know, I was I was playing drums in church at the time, um, serving on student student leadership. All of it looked really good from the outside, and it was something that I was praised for. My parents, all my teachers, they they glorified me for it because it was something that they saw as he's being a good Christian boy. But in my heart, my primary reason for learning and and putting scripture into my head was so that I would be praised. I wanted to glorify myself rather than glorifying God. My heart was clearly in the wrong place and I think that's a large, a common misconception with Christianity today and a lot, a lot, a lot of religion in general. Most religion is a list of do's and don'ts. You need to strive, you need to be the best Christian or you need to, be the, you need to earn the most brownie points or whatever. It may be, it's a list of of do's and don'ts rather than a relationship with the Creator. And that was my problem. I was great at doing the right thing, saying the right thing, acting the right way, but I didn't leave room in my heart for Jesus. I religiously followed the rules, served in many ways in the church, but I didn't pursue actually following Jesus in the way that he exemplified for us in the Bible. I would say that as I got older and I... I moved down to La Mirada, California to attend Biola University um, to major in film production there, film and audio engineering, which is how I got the job here at Grace. But I would say that as I grew up and as I went to college and learned theology and the foundations of Christian thought and and all these kind of basic Christian classes and advanced Christian classes and Bible classes, I started to begin to, to grasp onto an actual relationship with Jesus, but I was still pursuing knowledge and still pursuing glory for myself and looking back, I can really see, even though I was so caught up in intellectual hubris and, and this pride of being very intellectual and being very, very, you know, proficient in learning, I can see how Jesus was, was shaping me even then in my past, shaping, even at, in my sin, shaping me to be, become the person that he wanted me to be, shaping me to become um, the person that would be effective in ministry in the place where I am today. So this brings me to Phineas. Um, I was a big fan of the band before I actually joined. Um, They were founded way back in 2001 at Biola University. So by the time I got there in 2006, they had been a band for five years already. So um, I joined in 2008. I learned their drummer was leaving at the end of my sophomore year. And so I tried out. I learned all the songs. I got a lot better at drums so that I could... could, uh, be, you know, be proficient and have a good tryout, and was so anxious about it, so anxious during my, I mean, I was, it was all I thought about it. I, I, I still, you know, did my classes and my finals, but that was, you know, that was to the side. I really wanted to be a drummer in this band. And again, it was, I thought it was, I thought it was cool. It wasn't necessarily like, oh, I want to be a part of this ministry. Was, oh, I want to be a part of this band because this band is awesome and I really like this band and I would love to be a part of it. And then the second day before I went home for summer to work, uh, for my parents, they told me that I was in the band, and they, I was so anxious, but they told me I was the only candidate. They didn't try anyone else out, so <laughs> it, was, uh, it was all for naught, but uh, they, they, they left me in the dark about that so that I would be a little, little anxious about it. I guess appreciated it a bit more, but so the first couple years of my tenure in the band, um, that first summer, I would drive from uh, San Luis Obispo all the way down for rehearsals, drive back, work full-time, up, up for my parents. Um, and then we did a little small tour to Washington and back, but right after that, we had two members leave the band, and we were kind of in this, um, this limbo of kind of, do we still do the band? Does God still want this? And, and we felt that, that God wasn't. Our manager was very encouraging to us and said, you know what, let's find, we'll find new guitar players, let's do it. So our second guitar player quit the day before I graduated college, and so I was like, okay, well, I thought we were going to be doing all this touring, but now we don't have a band right now. You know, we're still in limbo. So I was like, all right, well, I'm graduating college. I don't have a job because my job at Biola was, once I graduated, I couldn't work there anymore uh, because it was a student position. So that's what led me to Grace. Um, I was a volunteer staff at Rock Harbor Church. That's where I did my internship, um, my audio internship. And Mark Ahrens, who used to work here, was, uh, he would take classes at Rock Harbor. So he called my supervisor, said, hey, I need, I'm leaving to go up to work at Alpha up in Washington. I need somebody to take my spot. So that's when he called Alex, um, who was my supervisor at Rock Harbor. I had just talked to Alex the week before and said, hey, I'm graduating. I need a job. If you're of anything, let me know. So Alex called me up. He's like, "Hey, we got this job." I gave him your number. They're calling you, and I. And right away, because Mark was leaving, I think a week a week later, so they were like, "Yes, we need we need somebody to take my spot." It's the job is yours. You know, I, I had an interview with Gala and with uh, with Mark, and they were just like, "Yep," yeah, you know. After they, you know, asked me questions about Christianity and my beliefs, they said, "Yep," yeah, you know. Uh, the job's yours. So that's how I started here, um, and. God has blessed me immense, immensely here uh, with, with leadership and with staff and with even, you know, all of you, just uh, people that believe in my ministry to the point of letting me go and do Phineas and play and go tour and go, you know, go minister to, to people at our concerts, but still have a job when I come back home, still be able to work on the podcast and everything from the road. It's been an anchor for me, so I, I thank you for all of that. I thank, thank, you know, I thank Chris and the staff here for, for letting me be a part of this, this church. Um, it has been, I wouldn't be able to do what I do uh, without you guys because, you know, we don't make any money on tour. It's all ministry-based, so to be able to come home and, and, and work is crucial, so God bless you for that. Thank you. Um, so now... I just got back from a 53, we were gone for 53 days. We, were, we toured all the way out to Florida, up to New Hampshire, up to, you know, we were in Wisconsin doing festivals, shows, concerts, playing at churches, clubs, bars, you name it. We were playing everywhere. And uh, our first tour that we did, two summers ago, um, I was still in this kind of funk of not really engaging at concerts. I'm I'm extremely introverted. Um as Chris said I'm not I'm not a person of many words. I don't I'm comfortable being the guy that just, you know, doesn't really say much and doesn't really engage in people and so I I was very happy just to, to go play the concert. Our singer would talk about Jesus from the stage and talk about what we believed, but we never really our ministry wasn't really one of engaging. We just we would talk about it and we would you know, we would go play bars and some some places would boo us off the stage or, you know, they would they would curse at us because of what we believed, but that didn't, we didn't stop. We never shied away from the gospel, but after we said it, after the show, I, you know, I would pack up my drum set, load it into the trailer, and then I would, you know, I would kind of stand in the shadows. I wouldn't, you know, if, he, if somebody came up to me and wanted to talk to me about Jesus, I would talk to him about it, but it wasn't something I really pursued at that time. And that was that was two years ago, and that was kind of what our ministry looked like. I mean, if people wanted to talk to us about Jesus, by all means, we, you know, that's what we believe. We'd love to talk to you about it, but. It wasn't necessarily the main priority. I mean, we were we were a young band. We were focused on furthering our music rather than furthering our ministry, rather than, than expanding the kingdom of God. And that's the tour that God really started a humbling process. Um, our engine exploded in our van when we were driving those hills in Washington. If you've ever driven in Washington, it's we've blown our radiator and our engine in Washington and so we haven't, we haven't been back since that tour but we're going back in the fall. But uh, that tour, we were stranded in a little tiny town and let me tell you, being stranded and completely powerless can really give you some perspective on, uh, on how much we actually control in our lives and, and God put it on my heart. It's like, hey, you know what? You can work as hard as you can but I'm the one that's in control here. I You know, he, I had no control over the engine blowing. I had no control over this stuff, but I'm in control. And he put it on the heart of somebody in Bakersfield to drive a thousand miles to come get us. That's the only way we were rescued. So um, God bless Tyrone, who came and got us. But uh, right after that tour, we got home. That's when uh, I started dating Katie, right after that. Um, And our relationship really helped me edify my relationship with Jesus. I think coming home from that tour, I had a better perspective on what I needed to be doing, but when I started dating Katie, it was really something, she really challenged me, um, immensely challenged me to, to be a man of God, and I learned to humble myself in my relationship with her in the same way that Jesus humbled himself for us to, with death on the cross, and uh, we've learned so much about ourselves. I learned so much about myself through her and through our relationship, and it's been God has used her in such a powerful way in my life. She has been a rock for me, especially when I'm on tour. She's been somebody that is able to speak a fresh and energized perspective. When I'm on tour, if I'm, you know, exhausted or I'm spent, she has the ability to really pour into me um, because she's here. She's praying for me. She's encouraging me. And and, uh, I I, I see her strive to be more like Jesus every day, and it, it, it inspires me to cultivate my own relationship with Jesus. And with that, Katie actually was a fan of Phineas before we even knew each other. She has had, throughout the tenure of Phineas, she's had an unwavering support for them. So when I joined and when we started dating, um, you know, that's one of, the com- one of the biggest conversations we had and, and something we put to a lot of prayer, but we still believe that God was calling me to touring. God was calling me to leave and go minister at concerts and on the, on the road, even though we have a relationship and, you know, that's a part of it. And... I think, you know, since we are a couple, the, what God told us is that, you know, Phineas isn't just me. Because God has called her and I together, and we believe that God has called me to Phineas, it's, it's a mutual thing. It's something that, you know, it's not just, it's not like, oh, I'm going and doing Phineas and I'm leaving Katie behind. It's, no, it's a mutual thing where she walks together with me in ministry. And that's, that's something that has been, I mean, without that, I, I wouldn't be able to, too, when I told her, like, if, you know, if, if this is something God has called me to, that means God has called you to it as well. And she, she really bought into that and has been just supportive in every way, shape, or form. And because of that, because of our, our ground, we've been grounded in what we believe is God's will for our lives. God has bridged the gap. Even though we're apart, we're, there's a lot of distance. A lot of times we, you know, we, we don't get to see each other or we talk on the phone Thanks, thanks to technology, we can, you know, look on, look on, I can look on my phone and see her face to face, but we're never, you know, we're never within arm's, arm's length of each other, and, but God has, for a lot of people, I think that would be, that would, you know, that wouldn't be able to deal with it, but we've, not, not on our own strength, but God has told us, you know, if, if, if my love for you is unconditional, Christ's love for us is unconditional, and if we're supposed to love each other in that same way, distance is a condition, and distance is something that isn't the end-all be-all, it's, it's a mere condition. And so we've, God has taught us how to have that unconditional love for each other even while I'm on the road. And he's, he's helped us, he's made it possible for us to connect to each other. Um, and that's something that, you know, when we rely on ourselves, if I rely on myself, if I rely on Katie to be, you know, to, to, to satisfy me, That's when we lose sight, and that's when it becomes difficult, but only God can satisfy. And and I think, especially on this last tour that we did, I was, the first two days, I was hurt, and I was like, man, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I really wanted to be home, but Katie was, again, a rock for me and said, you know what? God has called you to this. And that's when I was like, okay, I I believe that, but God, I need you more than ever because I'm I'm homesick. We're going to be gone for 53 days. This is the second day, you know. I'm like, uh, already hurting. So I'm like, okay, God, you gotta, you gotta fill the gap here, and He did. And that's something. And we, we actually grew probably on that tour more than we ever have in our relationship because, because of God's faithfulness to us. So on this latest tour, and this is kind of where I want to land. And the main thing I want to share to to you guys today is, uh, God massively and profoundly expanded my view of faith what true faith really means. We played, I remember, like it was yesterday, we played this little town, the suburb of, of Atlanta, called Douglasville, Georgia. Maybe some of you have been there, maybe, probably probably not, but um, we played this small town. It's a Christian venue, run by a Christian man, who actually shares my same name, Lee Anthony. Um, and he, he poured into us, his volunteer staff there, are all spirit-led Christians, they all poured into us. We played the show we got to know them, and um, they loved us. They loved our ministry, but at the same time, they they saw potential in us that we we were so we were so focused on, you know, we were focused on the ministry. But we still, I was I'm I'm the guy that does all the business stuff. I mean, I, my head was my head was in so many different places. You know, if are we can you know are we going to be able to afford gas in the next venue? Or, you know, we need you know we're running low on these shirts. Can we get an order ship? I, my head was in all these different places, but it was there that after the show it was very late we were staying overnight at the venue and one of the volunteer staff said hey i want to i want to have a bible study i want to sit you guys all down and study the word of god and it ended, it ended up actually being just a one on one he poured into me all the other guys were all the other bands all the other guys were busy um, so he said hey you know what i really wanted, i really feel like i need to do this so She's like, all right, let's sit down. It was just me and him. And he opened up to the passage that that Katie read earlier, uh, Matthew 17, 14 through 20. And uh, my life would never be the same. Um, He read about having faith like a mustard seed. And he talked about, he asked me whether I believe that if faith stopped at the cross, if faith was merely a belief in Jesus' death and resurrection, or if it started at the cross. Because he went on to say that, as most people read this verse, they think, all I need to have is a a little bit of faith. But right before Jesus says, you need to have faith like a mustard seed, he says, you know, the disciples ask him, why why couldn't we, we do this miracle? Why couldn't we bring the demon out of this void? And he says, because you have so little faith. And he said to me that little faith isn't what Jesus is getting at here. Um, if we look in Matthew 13, it reminds, this, this idea of seed and mustard seed reminded me of the parable of the sower, where it talks about, and it starts in verse 4, and I think we have it on the screen here. Um, As the sower was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. The birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop—hundred, sixty, or thirty times what is sown. He, you just let him hear. And when he, talk, he talked about this verse, and he said, the idea of a mustard seed—it has to have perfectly good soil in order to grow. If there are thorns, if there are rocks, it might spring up, but it's not going to flourish. Because the mustard seed, as, as a lot of people know, is the smallest seed, but it grows to be the largest bush. It, it almost, and Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed because it, it's the smallest seed, but it grows into the biggest bush and it connects earth to heaven almost because you look at it and you, you can't see the horizon because you just see earth, you see the mustard plant, and you see heaven. You see the heavens. And he said to me, Jesus wasn't getting at having faith, a small faith. Jesus was saying, our hearts need to be like the good soil. Our hearts need to be 100% spirit. It need to be of the spirit in order to cultivate the spirit, in order to have true faith. And he also said to me that a common conception, uh, the church, the original Greek word for faith, pistis, We've translated it, and it's kind of become a lot weaker of a definition. I mean, when we think faith, we just think belief. We think, okay, I believe, I have faith that Jesus died, and he rose again. And that's what faith is. That's what faith was to me. I mean, I, I came into this conversation, and I believe, yeah, I have, I have faith. But he said to me, you know, that's only half of what the original Greek word piscis means. That's, it's a belief in God, but it's also to know God, to know him intimately, and to know that what he says is true. And to know him, and the word is, talks about intimacy with God and, and, and like marital intimacy, sexual intimacy, and it's like to know God in such a deep, deep way that you know what he said is true and that you act it out. It wasn't just a belief, it was actions. And that's what James talks about in his book. In chapter 2, he talks about having that faith without deeds is dead. Faith without deeds is useless. It is nothing. And I sat there, and as he was telling me this, I was realizing that my faith, what I had believed as faith was all wrong. What Phineas had believed was faith was all wrong. That faith wasn't just this belief in what God had done for us, but it's, a, it's an understanding and a knowing a knowledge, not just an intellectual knowledge, but a heart knowledge that what Jesus said is true. If he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. If he said, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens Through, through Jesus Christ who strengthens you. If he said these things, and if I believe him to be true, then why, why am I being so passive in my ministry? Our music is, is only a part of our ministry, but I had made it the whole of our ministry. And God told me, and he met me there, and he said, that's, that's not enough. James goes on to say that it's not enough to believe, that even the demons believe in only one God, and they shudder. But faith, this belief without deeds, without deeds, which is really a part of faith, is dead, is useless, and that night, God met me there. The Spirit met Phineas there. And after that show, the whole staff prayed over us. We had a drive to, to South Carolina um, that next morning. The whole staff prayed over us. And we took with us the knowledge that we need to, cha- we need to change this, that our faith needs to be like this. For, for us to have faith to move mountains We need to have hearts that are cultivating the Spirit. We need to have hearts that are 100% of the Spirit. There needs to be no sin, no flesh. If there's any sin in our hearts, any pride in our hearts, that the Spirit is going to be hindered, that there's going to be a hindrance of the ability for God to move. And obviously, God God can work without us. Phineas is not... If Phineas died tomorrow, if I die tomorrow... God's kingdom is still going to be spread, but we realize that God had a bigger purpose for our ministry, that God had this faith. He wanted us to have this strong faith like a mustard seed, to have hearts that cultivate the Spirit instead of hindering the Spirit. And from that day forward, that is like, you know, we look at that day in Douglasville as a band, and we see it as this crux in our ministry from that day forward, I, mean, I remember vividly that next day, that next show that we had, I'm the kind of guy that, you know, we drive up and I'll, I'll hang out in the van. I don't really want to. That next day, we drove up. All my guys are sleeping in the back. And I get out of the van. There's some people waiting for the venue to be open. And I'm immediately, hey, how you guys doing? You know, like, you guys know Jesus. <laughs> and I I talked talk to him and I asked him, you know, have you heard of us before? All the, you know, the small talk. But then, do you know Jesus? I had never asked. Anybody out of the blue, do you know Jesus before? I'd never, ever done that because I was afraid. I was nervous because I'm introverted. I'm not, the, I'm not the guy that talks to people. I'm not the guy that goes out and asks people if they know Jesus. That's not, my, that's not, me, that's not me, but God told me, you know what? That may not be you, but that's what I have for you. And if you believe what I said is true, that I will never leave you or forsake you, that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, then I'm going to fill in that gap. Normally, yes, one conversation would exhaust you to the point of not wanting to talk to anyone else all night, but if I am with you, the Spirit of God, the living God is with us, why are you afraid, Lee? Why are you afraid to go tell people about me, to go tell people what you believe? I am with you. I will go before you. And it's true. I'm not, I'm not an extrovert. I'm not good at having conversations with people. I'm not good at small talk. I'm horrible at it. I hate it. But Jesus told me, you know what? It's not about you. It's not about that. It's about telling people, about having a boldness. It's one of the, the main things that, that was prayed over us. They give us a boldness to tell people about Jesus. They, at Douglasville, the owner told us, you know, when Jesus left this earth, he didn't say, go make good music and, you know, you can write about Jesus and talk about him from stage and that's it. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. Go preach the gospel. Go tell people about the good news of Jesus. He didn't say anything else. He said, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so that's what was blessed upon us, that was commissioned to us to say, you know what? Your ministry may be about Jesus. It may have a part that is about telling people the good news. All the rest of it needs to be gone. It needs to be completely, wholly, 100% about telling the good news of Jesus. Telling people about the good news of Jesus. And since that day, as I told you, before that, talk about Jesus from stage. And the metal scene is, is a very dark place. Music is a very dark, the music industry is a very dark place. But God has gone before us and has given gives people ears to hear at our show. And the music may bridge a gap, but afterwards, anyone that talks to us, after that day, we would ask people, do you know Jesus? We would stop our, we would stop our set. Our singer would tell people the good news of Jesus, And we have never prayed for so many people. We have never talked with so many people about Jesus. We have never prayed for healing and had healings happen at our shows. We've never done that before. But when the Spirit grabbed a hold of our ministry, when the Spirit said, this needs to be all about me, Lee, you, you can't hide behind your drum set anymore. You need to serve me with your words, with your actions, on stage, off stage, before show, after show, while you're driving, people you meet at gas stations. Faith without works, faith without deeds is dead. And Faith like a mustard seed, faith that cultivates the spirit. I struggle with pride. I've always struggled with pride, but this, this idea of intellectual hubris, God took that and he said, you know what, you, he broke my pride. He said, you have the intellect, you have the knowledge, but you didn't save yourself. I did. Jesus saved me. It's not my intellect, not the knowledge of Jesus. It's knowing him. Jesus has taken that the spirit has taken that and he has brought our ministry to a, a new place a fresh place one that cultivates the spirit I haven't seen I mean all of us when I got home and after that day Katie can attest to it our conversations changed our prayers changed our God is a big God every night before shows we we, we would pray God We want everybody that is in this room to know you. Not just one person. Not just two people. Everybody. We want it to be on earth as it is in heaven. If we really believe that, why are we praying such small prayers? Why are we saying, God, if it's your will? God gave us power. He said when he left this earth, You will do greater things than I did. Jesus said that. You will do greater things. Jesus rose people from the dead. He said, You will do greater things than this. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, it is the smallest seed, but it grows into the biggest plant, the biggest tree, connecting earth and heaven. your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Huntington Beach as it is in heaven. At Grace Lutheran Church as it is in heaven. These are the prayers we prayed. This was the bold, the boldness that God gave us. It's that we want, we want our brothers and sisters, our friends to have the same boldness, to have, to be encouraged. It's not, it's not a message of condemnation. It's a message of hope. We don't have to have all of the power. I, I am not an extrovert. But when I go and I talk to people, I am giving the Spirit an opportunity to use me in a way that I am powerless. I, am, I have not been gifted in. And I think that, I would always say, I don't, I don't feel the Spirit. I don't feel the Spirit moving. I, ne- I would never give the Spirit an opportunity to move. I never went outside of my comfort zone and that's where the Spirit really shows up. That's where the Spirit becomes real, is when we're out of our comfort zone, when we're doing things that we're scared to do. I'm, every show, I'm nervous. Every single show. Not, I'm not nervous to play. I'm gifted at playing. I'm gifted at drums. God has given me that ability. I'm nervous because I don't want to talk to people. I don't want to say hi to people. I don't want to tell them about the good news of Jesus. But that's where the Spirit has told me, you know what? Swallow your pride. Go tell people about me. That's all I ask. That's all Jesus asked, has asked of us is to say, trust me. Put your trust that the Spirit is alive in you. God is, Jesus, when he left the church, he said, I'm going to send you a helper. It's good that I go because then you will have the Holy Spirit in your heart and you will be able to do things that you are powerless to do. When the Holy Spirit came on the disciples at Pentecost, they were speaking in languages they didn't understand. They didn't know these languages, but the Spirit was what moved before them. The Spirit came before them, and the Spirit of God bridged that gap. He bridged literally the language gap between the disciples and the people that were hearing. In the same way, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, has bridged the gap for Phineas. Has said, you know what, you need to be bold. And whether or not your band is successful, whether or not you guys make any money doing this, whether or not this tour is your last tour, right now, this show, this concert, I have you here for a purpose. Your purpose isn't to make your band greater. The purpose isn't to be cool looking on stage. The purpose is Jesus. Telling people about the good news of Jesus. And Jesus has has bridged that gap for me. And he has showed me. I have tasted and I have seen what true faith really is. And there have been people that have accepted Christ because of Phineas. And it's not because of us. It's because the Spirit has gone before us. And that is what That is what we're here for. That's what expanding the kingdom really means. It's it's a faith that the Holy Spirit is true, the Holy Spirit is real, and that He will, will fill those gaps. He will fill you, fill us, to be able to do the things that we are not, that we are powerless to do on our own. And that's what Phineas, that's what where Phineas is to this day. That's where I am at this day. I'm, I mean, every day I have to pray, God, I need, I need you. I alone am a prideful, sinful person. And every day I have to step back and say, I need to swallow my pride. I need to have true faith. And that's what I want, for, that's what I want for, for all of you. That's what I want for everyone that's in my life. I want everybody to taste and to see that the Lord is good and that the Spirit is powerful and that we have that power. We have been given that power that Jesus had. He said we will do greater things than this. Do we believe that today? I, I didn't. I didn't believe that. but the Holy Spirit met me. God drew himself, drew me near to himself and told me this is true. This is truth that the Holy Spirit is alive in you, that what Jesus said is true, that I have been given the power. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and so can you. And that's, that's what I wanted to share with you. So I would love, I would be blessed to pray for us, pray for you. So let's go before the Father. Jesus, we're so grateful for your sacrifice. We're so grateful that you died and that you rose again. Without you, we, we are nothing, Lord. I pray that that wouldn't be discouraging, but that would be humbling for us. That we would know that, that you are good and that your spirit is powerful, that It is only by your spirit that we have been saved, only by your your blood that we have been saved. It's not by anything we have done, Lord. So I pray, I pray, Lord, for a bigger faith in me and everyone here. I pray that Grace Lutheran Church, that it would be in Grace Lutheran Church as it is in heaven, that it would be in Huntington Beach as it is in heaven, Lord, and that it would start here. It would start with the people that are sitting here, God. I pray that we would know. We would know the love. We would know you, Jesus. We would know the power that you've given us. I pray for more of your spirit. For more of your spirit in this place. More of your spirit in our lives. More of your spirit in our hearts. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke everything in our hearts. Everything in my heart that isn't of you. Pray that it would be dust and that it would be gone. And that all of our hearts, Lord, would be of the Spirit. That we would have hearts that cultivate the Spirit of God. And that we would leave this place knowing you, Jesus. Knowing that what you said is true. And that we would go and tell people about Jesus. You are so good, Jesus. You are so good, God. Thank you for being with us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.